Folks, welcome to the uh, Whitfield Report special Sunday edition of the show. It's a rarity that I do the program on Sundays, and I'm your aforementioned host, uh, Sam Whitfield, and you can follow me on all the regular places uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Surprisingly, not banned yet at samw underscore ndc, gab mines and parlor. At Sam Whitfield, Facebook.com forward slash The Whitfield Report, and TheSamWhitfield.com. And as always, if you're uh, listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and review. And uh, follow us on all your favorite you know, podcatchers also. Um, and as always, hit those uh, thumbs up. So... Um, Anyway, folks, I want to thank you for joining me uh, wherever you are in the past, present, future hour. Uh, my guest for this evening is uh, Sean Semenko, who's been on before with uh, Versa News Media, and he hosts uh, Real News. And he is also uh, starting his own organization, so as soon as I uh, figure out how to get the split screen... Oh, there we go. Uh we will bring him on. So, Sean, uh, welcome to the program. How are you doing, sir? Good. Thank you for having me on. I've been on, I think, twice before now, so I'm glad to come back again, as always. I, I think this is actually your third time, but this is the first time that people have actually seen your face. And uh, Yes, you can see me now, guys. This is what it looks like. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> your, your hair is a lot curlier than I than I thought so um <laughs> yes it is very curly I, I don't know where it comes from honestly but you know I do have the sort of Jim Morrison curly hair going on here I'm I'm digging it you are you are the lizard king so <laughs> I try I try well at, well actually at this point you're you're a secret king like the rest of us so yeah, yeah, I, I feel you. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so, uh, Sean, you've been quite busy uh, since the last time we talked on the program. Um, so, I mean, I guess just where do you want to start? I mean, there, there's a lot to kind of unpack. You, you're starting a new uh, organization. I'm not sure really how much, you know, we can talk about, but... Mm. What's what's kind of been going on? Well, I can talk a little bit about like the, uh, the the principles of the organization, why it's created, why we're doing it, and 
I'm going to wind the clocks back to about a few months ago when the whole Groyper Wars were going down, all this stuff with Turning Point was going down, and free speech was being brought back up into the conversation. And as somebody who's a president of Turning Point and loves the work our chapter's done, loves our chapter, I want to also leave something of my own behind, some sort of legacy behind, something that, you know, because I'm a senior now in college, I want to leave a little piece behind in the anger one day and i've come to realize my most passionate issue the thing that i've been fighting for the most on this campus and trying to accomplish is really freedom of speech bringing it back to the forefront bringing it actually like here on campus again because what i've noticed through my time at turning point is that even though penn state says they support free speech which they do you know they they support they've let our speakers come to turning point they let sargon come they let um hunter avalon come they let don jr come in the past for turning point but the thing is i have learned there's not an environment for free speech that's a big difference that people forget is that even if you have the right to freely express yourself here you do not have a safe comfortable environment to actually freely express yourself you will be docked points in classes you'll be um given an F on papers or concerns, you know, or just have you someone sent to write uh, suggestions in. You don't even have to be conservative or have to have it in there. But I've heard these stories from so many people, and we've been having trouble getting one particular speaker here who's not even, you know, far right in any way. I mean, maybe he's gotten a bit or she more, uh, you know, evolved in their views recently and has changed a little bit, but. At their core, this speaker is not somebody who is, you know, like Richard Spencer or David Duke or somebody just wacky that I have no interest in bringing here. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed how bad this gang, it's getting worse, and there's no conservative organization out there, no right-wing organization, no moderate organization that is actually fighting for free speech and is actually fighting for the people that have been censored and fighting to bring this to our campus because you have college Republicans, which are getting better, but they're still nowhere near is what they need to be. You have Turning Point, but that's limited in its own rights, and I understand why it is, but it is limited. I want to create something that is unlimited, unlimited in all capacities. It can bring the people we want to bring back to campuses, because there's so many people that we love that you don't see on campuses anymore. Why? Because, you know... These students are pressured or they don't know the rules or how to, uh, you know, work the system. They don't know, you know, sort of how to hold the university to their own standards to get these people here. They don't know the whole process of doing speaking events, and so they're new to it. There's just a lot of factors that go on. And I've learned that there are ways you can get around it. There are ways you can bring them to these campuses, at least at Penn State, probably at a lot of our Big Ten schools, especially public schools. So... I think it's time to actually bring these people back, to bring free speech back. Again, you know, around to our election year, it's time we get speech actually, you know, bring the edgy, controversial, cool, interesting people back on campus. They're fun and are actually bringing something to the table rather than these boring, you know, speakers that like you'll see at CPAC or any other, you know, boring old, 
neocon stuff or old conservatism. So that's why I created this organization, Uncensored America, which if you go on our Twitter page, at Uncensored AM or Facebook and all these other things, you'll see our mission statement layout right there, which is very simply a nonpartisan organization dedicated to protecting, promoting, and educating college students under First Amendment right to freedom of speech. And that's that's all it's about. And the reason I kept saying why these right-leaning organizations aren't bringing people is because you don't see it from the left, obviously. But an organization like this is open to both sides. All viewpoints can come. Any side can come discuss any issue. We can have any speaker from any viewpoint. It's totally open, totally uncensored. It's not meant to constrain or restrict anything in any way. So here we are today now, hopefully going to get approved soon, and hopefully going to have our event. It looks optimistic, and when we do have it, you're going to know about it. All you people listening are going to know about it one way or another. It's going to be huge. Do you think that this could become, I mean, obviously you're in the you know intro stages of you know promoting this organization, and obviously you're focusing on you know your campus, Penn State now, but... Assuming that this does become successful there, um, mm-hmm. do you think that there's potential for this to uh, perhaps become a national organization, or uh, have you not thought that far out yet? That is where you're kind of reading my mind right now, because that's kind of what I've been thinking over the past few weeks. I see, especially after those growth wars, which I want to be very clear of people, I do not like... Uh, Nick Fuentes, and I do not like the Groyper movement as a whole. <laughs> I mean, I've expressed my views with you. I'm not yeah. a trad person, that's all. You know, I don't... I'm not this old-school conservative. I don't know if I call myself conservative. I'm really... I mean, I use that term because I, I feel like the term conservative has been rebranded under Trump. I'm just a huge Trump supporter, American populist, right-wing populist, American nationalist type. And I don't—I I, I can tell there is a need for a third party here, a third faction, because you on campus you just have CRs and Turning Point or Yao or whatever. But there's, there's a void that needs to be filled. There's some hunger out there for something that's more interesting that's, again, bringing back the speakers and bringing back the sort of energy we had in 2016. And I don't see it anywhere. I don't see anybody else doing this. I see uh, one of the Groypers, Jaden McNeil, is starting his own chapter. I don't know a lot about Jaden. It's called American First Students, I think, or something. And I don't know a lot about him, but you can see that there are other you know, conservatives, other right-leaning uh, people that are starting their own organizations now. So we'll see where Uncensored America goes, but I'm going to be going to CPAC Probably, uh, in I guess from February 26th to the 29th, and I've heard CPEC has a lot of establishment cucks there, but I've also heard there's a lot of you know people like me, a lot of Trump supporters, a lot of young people, a lot of donors, a lot of sponsors. So I'm gonna talk to people about. It. We'll see where it goes because I'd love to make it national. I'd like to try and go too. Um, the the biggest problem with CPEC is it costs a lot of money and unless you unless you go with an yeah. or, unless you go with an organization like Turning Point or Yale, um, you know, it's 
it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, make that happen. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm certainly going to try to go this year if I can. And, I mean, I think, obviously, for you starting a new organization, it would uh, really be uh, handy to go there as well. Now, um, regarding free speech on college campuses, I, I've I've noticed a few... Well, I don't want to kind of project my opinion onto you, but I, I guess kind from where I'm sitting, the, the, the free speech war is obviously still going on campus, but have you noticed, um, well, like, I've certainly noticed that more and more students are um, becoming more pro free speech, I guess, and they're not even like necessarily conservative or liberal. They're just mm-hmm. kind of, um, they're just anti, uh, PC at this point. Um, have you noticed that on your campus or, uh, I guess what, what is kind of the free speech climate like among students from where you're standing? Because I've, I've noticed it, it's changing for the better somewhat. Maybe not fast enough, but it is starting to change a bit. I think since we've had in 2015-2016 the rise of Donald Trump, which brought on a lot of speakers to campus like Ann Coulter, Milianopoulos, Campinas, and Laura Loomer, I think, spoke at a few campuses. When you had that sort of cultural movement happening, I don't even think we realized at the time how huge that was. And I kept saying it was a big deal at the time. I knew it was exciting, but there was a lot um, won from that. We won a lot of battles as free speech, uh, you know, you know, uh, advocates. I, I, I see. Here's the thing: free speech shouldn't be a partisan thing at all. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a left or right thing or a conservative liberal thing, but. Unfortunately, from my experience, there are liberals or leftists, I should call them leftists, not liberals, leftists that will say they're pro-freedom speech, but they don't want to be advisor for my club, but they don't like hate speech, but they don't like this or that. So they're not really pro-free speech lies, people is what I've found. Like, or there's something that makes them uncomfortable that they don't like. Yeah. Principles, and to give a little context to the advisor thing, at Penn State to start a club, you need an advisor who's a faculty member or a full-time staff member who works for the university, and they have to sign off on this piece of paper to say, "Okay, I'm going to be the advisor's club. I'm going to like watch over them, make sure everything's cool, and I'm going to play sort of like an instructor role to them." And that only got implemented in place, I think, about 2003 or 2004. The first time they started doing that, and so you need that to start a club. But I found a problem. I asked 20 professors. All of them turned me down. I found one staffer that was able to do this, that had no issue with what we were doing, that was cool with what we were doing, and signed off on. 20 professors said, no, this is too hot to touch. I mean, that is insane. It's incredibly demoralizing and demotivating to see, you know, rejection after rejection after rejection. And you'd see some that would be like, oh, I'm busy with this and that. And I think some of them are true, but some of them I don't know about. And you had the ones that were – I talked to one professor that was legitimately scared of sign off on this because he said, look, 
I'm probably more conservative than you, and he was. But I don't feel comfortable doing this because I'll be ostracized from academia. I think people don't realize it's actually – I think the students, like you said, I think they're getting a little more pro-free speech, maybe a little bit, I think. But at the same time, I don't know. I, don't, I think these, these rabid leftists that you see from college Democrats or the socialists – they tried to shut down our Turning Point chapter for hosting Sargon, and they said, "Oh, we're just dechart. We just want you dechart. We don't want you gain money uh, for to fund events." Well, to do that, you have to shut down the club because every club is chartered. So they wanted to basically shut us down. And he, and even if even if that wasn't the case, I mean, you're still effectively shutting down a club by cutting off funding, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're suppressing. You're silencing us. You're making us unequal to you guys um yeah i mean it it's it's insane i mean at at this point too one of the things that i found interesting is you know bill maher of all people you know who's not a friend of conservatives at all in in the last few years has said that he won't go on college campuses anymore because the left is They've become so bad that, like, not even he is allowed to, uh, you know, go on college campuses. Um, and it's because he's he's uh, pro-free speech and he's critical of Islam. That's two things that are, you know, on the checklist for leftists today. Yeah, well, you know, and they're and they're trying they're trying to me they're trying to me to him uh, as well. Not really. That's not really working out well, but they're definitely, uh, you know, trying to. Um, in regards to kind of how the right is um, doing, I haven't spent too much time, but what do you think of this whole thing? Because the the right seems to kind of be in a weird flux um, as well. And, and again, I mean, I don't, I'm like you, I don't really consider myself like ultra, ultra right wing, but... I merely ended up here because I was mainly, I mean, I, I, I was mainly a guy who just wanted to kind of, like, have fun and joke around with my friends back in high school and make, like, politically incorrect jokes, and, you know, the, the left, you know, kind of made it so that, you know, all of us who wanted to have fun be, automatically became right-wing. Um, but I, I've got to ask you, you know, there, you mentioned Nick Fuentes earlier, and I just have to ask you, what do you make of this whole, uh, you know, thing with Nick and the Catboy? And oh, um, <laughs> oh, I think it's adorable. Um, <laughs> no, nah, okay, but I, and I'll trust the thing you said about the joking around free speech. I think that's important too. But Nick Fuentes, I, I, I don't know a lot about him. I seen. Some of these clips have been circling of him saying some stuff. Like, the thing he said about race mixing, like, I'm sorry. That's insane. In 2020, to be against race mixing is insane. I know if you have a personal preference and you want to date within your own race, okay, I understand that. You know, it's just we're attracted to certain things. Like, some people are into certain skin colors or certain hairstyles and hair colors and whatnot, and some are. I get that. But, like, even when Lyle interviewed him, he's like, are you insane to believe that in, like, today? I mean, he's too trash for my taste. And he keeps harping on Israel. And it's like, look, I'm not even a – 
I'm kind of. I used to kind of not be a big fan of Israel. Now I'm kind of. I don't really have a stance or care too much about because I see them as a. They can be a strategic advantage, and we hardly give them any money, so I don't get what the big deal is considering all the other stuff we spend money on. But they, they they need to fix their priorities. So they're looking at stuff that's really, you know, like Israel. Like who cares? I mean, evangelicals are the only people that care about Israel, and they're going to be as pro-Israel as anybody else. Like they're going to be super pro-Israel. So you're just going to piss off a huge base of conservatives if you make this a mainstream talking point. I mean, I'm all for America first, and I don't want to be, you know, because Israel has a lot of money. They can fend for themselves, of course, but foreign aid is sort of a more strategic, complex thing where if you threaten a country, like if you want a country to do something, say, hey, we're going to pull your foreign aid if you don't do X, if you don't do Y. So I don't see why this is such a big thing among them. Like, I kind of get where they're coming from on but. I will say, like, I know Groypers personally, and I know people that follow Fuentes. They're a real mixed bag. Some of them are just super trash. Some of them are nationalists. Some of them are legit racist and legit anti-Semites. I've had personal beef with some of these people. And Yeah, me too. Yeah, so you understand, like, it's, it's hard to, you know, I, I don't want to generalize these people, but Fuentes right. himself is, you know, I look, I will say this. I know I've known some trad people. I'll tell you one thing, at least with girls, and it's probably the case with guys too, the more trad they get, the more full of it they are. Okay? I so go, Lauren Southern's a good example. Yeah. But also, you know, Lauren Southern is also extremely hot too. So there She is. There's that. I, I will Yes. And I, I, I will say this too regarding the, the Fuentes thing and, you know, the whole trad Movement. I said this on um, on Thursday on my podcast. I think there's a I think there's a fine line between um, you know what the left, what the absolute extreme left wants with you know trans kids and you know and yeah. like you know uh, basically like pedophilia. And then you know there, there's like the extreme you know there's the extreme ultra you know like trad, you know, life, no fap, uh, you know, uh, you know, section of the, yeah. of the right. And like, I obviously I think people get, I, I, and I, I think there's like a, I think there's like a fair middle ground where the rest of us are, where like, you know, we don't want, you know, pedophilia, but if you see a hot chick, it's not going to be the, the end of the world, you know, either. Yeah. Or, well, as I always say, it's it's just it's a balance. Everything's got to be balanced, as all things should be. Uh, quote Thanos. It's you know, I think the thing is with you know these trad people. Most of the time, when people go ultra trad, super trad, it's because they're guilty of something they've done in the past, something that is degenerate, and they're making up for it now, or they're it's their way of you know handling their guilt. And I look. Let's be honest. Like Nick is what twenty one, twenty two. He's my age. I, I I mean, he's been through teenage years. He knows that when you're a guy and you hit puberty, you're horny twenty four seven. And if you haven't gone with a girl in that span, you're either like me and you're super picky, and you have super high standards, and you had trouble getting girls for. Yeah. Or there's something else, and 
Here's the thing. I mean, if look, I'm not saying he's gay. I don't know. I really don't. It wouldn't surprise me. It just wouldn't surprise me. And these Gorypers are already, you know, the, the infighting and the purity tests are already insane. And if they are going to, they'll eat Fuentes alive. I mean, they already kind of are for that. But if, he can't, if they found he was gay, oh, my God, he's done. Gone, finished, never coming back for well, their movement, at least. Honestly, and, like, my whole thing is, like, I don't, if, if he's gay, I don't really, I don't really care. And, I don't either. I mean, honest about it. I, I, my biggest problem is like when is when you know people is when people like him throw stones in in glass houses. That that's when that's when I have that's when I have to laugh. It's like you know, look, I'm not you know I'm not perfect either. Uh, you know, right? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I can totally relate. It's like. I have flaws in my life, but I own up to it, and I'm honest about it. I mean, I'm not going to – I, I, look, here's the thing that the, the groupers keep telling me. They're like, oh, you want to know all about sex life? You want to publicize that? I'm like, no. I can just tell from this guy, the way he talks about women and the way he talks about other things, he doesn't know shit about women. He doesn't know shit because he hasn't dated one. I mean, and, and that's fine if he hasn't. But just don't act like, ah, oh, no e-girls. Oh, the wife should stay at home. It's like, dude, I, like, you're, you're living in your mom's, like, home still. Like, you, you know, that it's, or at least I hope you know, that it's an expensive world out there. The cost of living is insane. You can't just have the wife at home all the time. I mean, my, both my parents had to work because shit's expensive, like braces and college and all these things, clothes, food, gas. I mean... I, I, that's the thing I have with these groups is that my issues are so unrealistic. But I will talk with them. I want to have a conversation with them. I want to hear their grievances because some of them are legitimate. And they have some good points, and some of these people are genuinely smart. But from my experience, they don't want to talk. I told them, I said, hey, we can come to a meeting. Turn point meetings are wide open. You can come. They've just stopped coming. They used to come. Now they stop. And a lot of them, from my experience, are cloud chasers. They want attention. They want members. They want to rise up. They want to be something. They want to be the shit. But they're not. I. They're unfortunately they just are spiraling out of control, and it's not going to be anything mainstream. But they're raising some legitimate concerns, and it's it's complicated. Nick Fuentes says, "Hey, I'll give him this. He is energetic. He is charismatic, and he's got talent in him." But he's got to get rid of the trash shit. He's got to get rid of this, you know, ultra conservative because be his ultimate downfall. Because he's creating his own sort of, you know, monster that's going to eat him one day. Unfortunately, I, I just ultimately, I, I want, I want the trads to give me back my uh, fashion, you know, <laughs> statement, dude. Because I, I used to, I mean, I, I still do. You know, wear like blazers and Ray Bans and whatnot, and and everyone's like, "Oh, you want to?" I'm like, "Nope, not." I'm like, "Nope, not a, I'm not a trad. I did that. I did that first. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of like a punk rock hipster, like, like Gavin. I mean, and yeah, I was doing that. You know, way before I even knew who you know Gavin was. Um, so also, um, I guess. Joe Rogan recently kind of, sort of, but not mm. really endorsed 
it wasn't really even like an endorsement, I don't think. It was like, you know, if you had to vote for Bernie, would you? And Rogan said yes, and now the le- now the left is upset with Bernie because Joe has had on right-wing people before. So, uh, I mean, what what do you what do you make of all of all of that? Well, I yeah, I've seen that little clip too. They're playing, but yeah, it's like kind of a semi endorsement. I Joe Rogan, I love what he does. His podcast is fantastic. Even though I wish he'd have more of the edgier people on more frequently. Um, but I understand why he does the things he does, like being in those Hollywood circles. Like he's got to kind of, he can't get too crazy with his guests. I get that. But I think endorsing Bernie is, it could be a virtue signal. It could mean something or nothing. Because remember he told Gary Johnson, he's like, oh, come on the podcast, I'll vote for you. So I was like, dude, Gary Johnson's an idiot. Like he's a nut. Yeah, to Totally. A lot of stuff. Yeah, I think the thing with Joe Rogan is that he is very, like, you'll see it's like when he talks about the Proud Boys, he goes, like, back and forth. With Gavin, he's like, oh, I love Gavin. He's a good friend, cool dude. And the Proud Boys just were, you know, it's fun thing he's doing. And then, like, he's on some Margas. He's like, oh, yeah, got out of control. And Gavin's like, oh, it's all going crazy. I'm like, Joe, like, come on. Like, I, I can tell he doesn't research. And that's why he always goes, Jamie, pull that shit up. You know, because he, he doesn't do his research, unfortunately. Yeah, I I think um I mean the whole thing with the with the Proud Boys too got got weird because I was actually a subscriber to uh Compound Media mm-hmm. when that whole thing got established. I mean originally it was a it was a joke. Um originally someone actually approached me about starting a chapter in my area actually of of the Proud Boys, and I, I said no, not because I was, like, against it, but because I was just, like, this is kind of, like, I'm not really sure what this is, and also, like, I'm too busy with college um, yeah. at the time, so, you know, and now, I mean, I, I think I think it was a case, uh, you know, where, like, maybe a few bad apples ruined the whole bunch, which is un unfortunate but you know that's why i don't like that's why i don't like these conservative you know cults either like you know mm-hmm. like, like the whole trad movement or you know like you know in my case i had to deal with owen benjamin's unbearables for about a, a year <laughs> they live up to their name <laughs> yeah well they they definitely do and you know now there's this vox day guy too or teddy spaghetti as Oh, as uh, you know, the internet now calls him. So, you know, there, there's all there's all sorts of of weirdness, you know, about like about both sides. I think, and what I like about your organization is you kind of want to bring that back to the center. Um, yes. Well, because I think, look, free speech should be something that everyone agrees on, but we don't. That's an issue. You know, I think we got bridge that gap, and I think. I'm disappointed when you see people on the right shutting down right-wing voices or voices they are uncomfortable with, because that's what the left's been doing. And we all said that sucked, and we all said that's bad, because it is. So why are we doing that? I don't want to do that. And 
look, if the Groypers have great ideas, if they have bad ideas, we'll have a debate with them. I'd love to. We do that. And if you know their ideas are better, our ideas are better, it'll come out. Whichever one that is will come out on top, and people will decide. I, I don't see why that's a controversial idea, but it is today. Because you see this sort of guilt by association. Like I said with the professors, they are just afraid to associate with this club because you're going to be labeled a Nazi, a racist, or whatever, even though I hate racism, I hate Nazis, I hate the alt-right, I hate all those isms and whatever-isms, but they will still lump you in with that, and they'll try to ruin your life for that. And these professors were telling me stories like how you know everything for a professor is not just the classroom. It's beyond it when they were doing these papers and these collaborations with other academics. And when they find out that you're a semi-conservative or you somewhat lean right, they will ostracize you, and you're done, and, and you feel like your life's over. You feel crushed by it. So I just want to bring all these sides together and get talking again like decent people. Yeah. And and I'm I'm glad you brought up. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that, that it happens to professors too, because like I've known like actual, um, like closeted conservative professors who like read a paper and they're like, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to dock you points on this paper, but because mm. of because I like secretly agree with you, but according to the." I don't know, kind of curriculum and edict, I should, and here's mm -hmm. why, and I'm like, I'm like, but you're the, I'm like, but, I'm like, but you're the professor, you can give me, you know, whatever grade you, and they're like, yeah, but, like, if the department, if the department head found out about, you know, this or something, then I, then I could get in, in trouble. Yeah. It's, it's very weird how, you know, and I mean, I, I, and that was like at my old school. I actually go to a pretty, you know, good campus now, you know, for the time being. But it's, it's very weird how, you know, even, you know, conservative professors are in, are intimidated into silence. Absolutely. And the, I, I, I didn't realize this so after starting this, trying to get this club going, talking to these professors. This problem runs way deeper than we imagine. It is severely bad. It is so bad. One story I heard was there's this one woman who works in one of the departments who's a teacher, young, new. They I think they just suspected she was conservative. They didn't even have proof. I don't even think she was conservative. I don't remember. I can try to figure that out. But she's the, quote, loneliest person, unquote, according to one professor, in this department. That is awful to treat a human being that way, that you disagree with them, that you're just going to say, well, we're not going to talk to you anymore. We're just going to say hi because we have to. And that's it. I mean, that's just terrible. And the fact that we live in that climate in academia who, you know, and it couldn't be more clear because I, I, I have uh, um, somebody I know is in a class is extremely SJW, one of the most I've ever seen. It's called Disabilities Cultures. And uh. it's, yeah, you'd have a field day with this one, Sam. It's awful they don't want to call you a you know like if somebody came up to you and said hey sam you look really nice today you're not allowed to say that because that implies you've looked bad before and you're now just looking nice and you also have to use people first language what the, what the hell does that mean people first language that this is this idea that you can't say uh blind person or 
you know, another one would be like colored person, but that's not what disabilities in this. But you know, that, that that's to do with race. But in terms of disabilities, like you're saying, blind person, you're supposed to say person who is blind. They add oh. more words, make it more complicated. It sounds stupid, but that, that's what they did with the term colored people. Oh, they they said, yeah. yeah. Oh, for they just change sake. it to people of color. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. As an actual disabled person, I would not make it through that class. I'm pretty sure I'm. I'm pretty sure you would find me in my dorm, like hanging myself or <laughs> trying to. So, I mean, it's just awful because it's like, like I said, they did this with race, with colored people. They say you can't say that it's people of color. Now they're doing it with disabilities, where it's not blind person, it's person who is blind. I mean, it's pretty demeaning that they think, oh, you have to be super nice to these people and say these super nice things so they can't handle words to describe what they are. Like, you couldn't even say um, somebody suffers from schizophrenia. You can't say that because suffering implies it's a condition. It is, and it's terrible. Well, and they do suffer. And if. And, like, that's a legit one where, like, if, if someone does suffer, like, you need to know about that in case they have, like, a, you know, in case they have, like, an episode. Like, th- in this No, case, you can't, like, Sam. That is just, oh, you can't well, assume that. Well, but. You're an awful person. But, I mean, it, this is, it's not, it's not a disability, Sam. It is just a, um, I forget what they call it, diversification. The diver, diversability? They had some other stupid term. Oh, I my. can't remember it. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, th- 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 in all seriousness, though, this is where this shit gets fucking dangerous, though. Because okay, yeah. say that there say that there is a schizophrenic person, right? And say that they have an episode, and you know they 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 like you know project like you know something onto you know someone, and they end up like harming someone at. at accidentally like that's where this shit gets dangerous because it when we when we can't identify you know people like like that because of political correctness that you know that's when that's when people you know i mean that's it's that's the thing with like aids tests you know in california now like there's Mm -hmm. there's that bizarre you know law that like you're no longer required to you know notify your you know, partners, and it's like, what are you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean, and it and it all stems from you know this this SJW, um, you know, nonsense. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned that too, because people like the normies or the people that aren't paying attention much to like as this stuff as we do. They think like you know, oh, conservatives are just being crazy, saying like political correctness kills or political correctness is this awful thing. No, it is. Like we're seeing it. Uh, and if you don't believe it, like just listen to what we're telling you about this stuff and think of what can happen. And it's just, and also people say, oh, it's conspiracy that the left is like brainwashing students and all this. No, they are with this class. This is brainwashing because they had to read a pledge twice. They had to read every single student was forced to read a pledge saying they would use people first language. It's not even a, a freaking option. You have to use people first language. <laughs> you want me to read the pledge? I could do that. You know, it, 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 it's chilling. Like it is absolutely just. Oh, I mean, I, I, I'm 
the person I know has to take this to get like some credits, but it's it's a uh, you know one of just the most ridiculous things, and it shows how the the left is very good at taking control of institutions, especially an institution where there is young people becoming adults, filtering them through that that um, transition phase, and brainwashing them. And changing not only how they speak, but how they think. That's that's the important thing. When you change and control how people speak, you change how they think. And that's what they want to do. Even if these people don't realize that, because this is their worldview. They think they're virtuous and doing the right thing. But the people that are behind all this know exactly what they're doing. I'll read the, the uh, pledge for everyone. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, you can write this down so you can say this, so you can be a good, upstanding, uh, socially just citizen. The pledge that they have to read in this class is, quote, changing the way I think means changing the way I talk. So they, look, they just said it right there, what I was just talking about. I pledge to make a change one conversation at a time. I will use person-first language and educate others. I understand person-first language is about having respect and following the rule to, quote, do unto others as you would have them do to you. I mean, this is just like, this hurts your brain. Like, you're just trying to learn this new language of SJWism. It's just, this is cancer. This stuff is cancer. I mean, it's offensive to can't, people have cancer. It's that bad. It's just awful. Yeah, uh, as, yeah, if I, if, I had, if I had to do that, if I had to do that, I would be like, fuck you, flunk me. I, I'm not gonna lie. I am tempted to take this class right now if I can still take it. Get in there and then right before the um, dr- drop deadline, just drop the class. After red pilling everyone, having some fun, annoying her, and causing trouble, it would be just funny. You you should you should like GoPro like James O'Keefe style and and just uh... yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, you can cover so much juicy footage. I mean, I mean, hell, at this point, like, I would even, I would even fly out there and, like, fake and roll myself, and, <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't have the money to even get on to Penn State's campus, so. Ugh. Yeah, it, it, you probably have something like this at your campus, you just have to look, it's there. <laughs> uh, not, not on my specific campus, on the one up in, uh, Tampa, there's. There's a whole bunch of this BS, but no, I actually, my, my specific campus tends to focus on business and marketing and, and oh, how dare they? <laughs> yeah, I actually, my, I have one professor, I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want this person to, you know, get lynched by the, yeah. uh, but I actually, I actually had a professor who, who had the audacity to say that if you use any other, uh, if you use any other term other than he or she when writing like a business plan or, mm-hmm. you would actually get docked points if you went into SJW language. What? And I'm like, I'm like, holy shit, Professor So and So is fucking based. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So, oh yeah, I I, w- I I actually like thanked, and they're like, and they're like, why? 
And see, like, this is the other thing. Like, none of this shit exists outside of college campuses either. And I mean, and a lot, and from what I'm hearing from a lot of professors, too, is, like, there's kind of a, there's kind of, like, a big war going on because, like, half of the professors are into, like, all this, you know, social justice crap. And then the other half is, like, look... We need to get these kids prepared for, like, actual, you know, jobs and careers. And, like, this shit is going to get them laughed out of, you know, interviews. And, yeah. And that's, and that's the big problem. So, Well, that, yeah, that's good you mentioned that, too. Because, you know, again, we're illustrating how this is not a free speech environment. If you're forced to read a pledge to change how you think is what she says and then on top of that they're not preparing you for the real world which is what college should be doing and the real world doesn't give a shit about people first language i'm sorry it just doesn't and i don't think anybody disabled does either and you can't use words like i think retarded and all these other words and i'm like well, what do you my brother's retarded he has autism and mental retardation what am i supposed to call it i mean <laughs> It's just like, okay, somebody is missing, you know, is a, um, uh, and I don't think you can use, if you use handicap as like weird implications in this class, so you can't really use that term. Something like, if somebody has cancer, what are you supposed to call it? Like, <laughs> these people are insane. I mean, look, I, I noticed this too, like with the Sargon event. I I used to get, like, I used to get the SJWs are crazy, yada, yada. But, like, most lefties are kind of somewhat normal and okay. But I learned from that Sargon event when we had all these protesters calling Sargon a pedophile and a rapist and all kinds of other egregious, slanderous terms and attacking our club, trying to shut it down. These people are insane. They are genuinely insane, these SJWs and far leftists. They are insane. Like, I, I go out to them at the event, and I say, you know, they're all, they're all holding these signs, and like one with a quote, Sargon, Jerry Sandusky, said like, oh, one pedophile's locked up, and the other isn't, and I'm like, okay, maybe he's not a pedophile then, and they, they, they start like chanting, like, I'm trying to KKK, you know, all that's, you know, same shit, and I, I asked him, like, look, tickets are free, you can come into the event, you can talk to us, have a conversation, you can ask the speakers a question, and this girl in front of me literally said no, no. I'm like, okay, that that that's you're not interested in the conversation. It's here to virtue signal to get clout. As I heard one of them uh, claim that the point of them releasing a statement calling the shut down was just for clout. That's what I've heard on the inside, and I believe it because they're disingenuous and full of shit. These people, they do not care about any of this stuff. They do not believe in. Uh, they, they like it's like Gavin McGinnis has that one bit where he says like, like you know uh, if the, if the KKK like came to like an action like a you know into town like these people would actually be shocked you know or when he got pepper sprayed in New York City uh, or NYU and he did this thing where he I don't want to say so I'm gonna be taken out of context probably it's gonna get clipped and I'm gonna become a racist but he said these things like. You know, that would make him sound like a racist. And he goes, just kidding. That's what they, you think they are. And, like, their mouths just, like, dropped when he said these things. And then when he said just came, like, oh, okay. So it's like these people don't even believe in this stuff. Yeah. And they just are absolutely just rabid, mean, vindictive, scary, 
not really that scary to be honest. Um, it's just like threat. They're they're just crazy and they're just very mean spirited people that have no interest in conversation. None of them came into our event. That just proved the point right there that they have no interest in conversation. The ironic thing too is, uh, you know, they they called Sargon a pedophile, right? Yeah, these are the same people who. Mm-hmm. think that, you know, that, like, nine-year-olds, you know, like, cross-dressing and dancing for, you know, like, full-grown men with, you know, like, visible boners is okay. And it's like... Yeah. And it's like, what? Like, in, in, what, in what universe is Sargon a pedophile, but yet, you know... This other thing, which is actually pedophilia, isn't pedophilia. So, yeah, and here's the thing too: they cry about these alt-right monsters and boogeymen that are like around every corner. Like they're in your office, they're in a cubicle next to you. You know, they think they're everywhere. Well, they're not. But you people are fueling the possibility of this shit catching. Oh, oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, like this drag story hour shit that's like insane that everybody thinks is like disgusting and insane, except a few like bourgeois, you know, far left SJW parents. I mean, nobody thinks that's a good thing or that's cool or that's fine. But you know, if you keep doing this stuff, you're gonna you're gonna fuel homophobia. You if they go, oh, it's on the rise now. Well, I wonder why. It must be Donald Trump. No, it's you people. It's you. The the weirdest thing, and I I had to laugh because it was so you know it it's this is how weird things have gone. But uh, I don't know if you saw, but Richard Spencer is now off the is now off the Trump train. Not that he was ever really. Oh yeah. On it, but you know. When it, when everyone when everyone was freaking out that you know Trump, everyone thought that you know uh, everyone was like in a panic that we were going to go to World War Three with Iran because Trump you know oh, okay. yeah. because Trump and and by the way like even even like part of my audience disagree agrees with me but I I still think it was a good I I think it I still think it was a good thing that Trump droned that motherfucker. I have I, I I have no yeah. I have no problem saying that, but and and no, we all we all assume we're going to go to world to World War Three. But but the two funniest things I, I saw was when Richard Spencer like tweeted at like rage tweeted that he was done with you know Trump, like he rage tweeted <laughs> tweeted that, and then the next weirdest thing was when uh oh what's I. I can't remember exactly who it was on the view, mm-hmm. but one of those chicks on the view, um, actually, you know, said that Richard Spencer was off the Trump train and the audience and them literally clapped that Richard's, um, imagine, okay. Uh, okay. Imagine that now, um, the left loves Richard Spencer, like an actual like ethnostate guy, because he came out against big bad Trump. Like, yeah, 
and like it's like what you guys are so opposed to Trump now that you are literally praising the guy who you know back in like 2016 you were like they like people are trying to say that Trump and Richard Spencer were like in the same room even though they you know well, I thought they were like buddies <laughs> yeah it's 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 weird, and now and now, Richard Spencer is like being praised by by them as being, you know, like stunning and brave for standing up to Trump. Or they do this with so many people; it's so tiring. Like, look at Lindsey Graham. They hated Lindsey Graham forever because they thought he was a warmonger. Once he started talking shit on Trump, oh my God, Lindsey Graham is stunning and brave. I wish we had more Republicans like that. But. It's so disingenuous. And then, and then, what was weird was once Lindsey Graham became like based and like kind of went yeah two point and like and then you know went after like uh, went after them for uh, going after Kavanaugh. Then they were trying to find shit on Lindsey Graham yeah. too. It was like oh well, Lindsey Graham is now defending uh, you know. Judge Kavanaugh, so I think we found like an intern somewhere from like, you know, from like 30 years ago that, you know, he might have done something with, you know, or something. So. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 their tactic now is not just silence you, it's cancel you. You know, they, they learned it's successful and it is, you know, because people ostracize people like that they think are awful. And the thing, there's two things, too, to pick up on this, too. I'm glad you bring this up, too, because I've noticed that um, a lot of these people, you know, on the trad right, on the Groyper movement, when, do you remember when the serious strikes happened and there were people freaking out? I know oh, yeah. Some, I knew somebody that, I guess he's probably Groyper today. He's in that same those sort of circles. He burned his art of the deal. The night of the serious strike, and he was like, "Fuck Trump, I'm off the tram." I'm like, people are not. It's just emotional knee jerk on the right is really pissing me off because we're better than that. We should be smarter than that because we are. And when you're doing that, you know, you're just you know feeding the left like ammo of like, oh, this is how we can get him to you know jump ship on Trump. Look, he fires a few missiles in Syria. Nobody died. I don't think i mean maybe some people did i i don't remember all the details but it wasn't like we murdered a million people and there's a genocide you know we fired some missiles and that's it okay i mean in iraq i mean or, well yeah he was killing iraq but salmani the f- he was clearly a sick bad dude that was funding people that have killed us i mean what, what's trump gonna do an american dies you supposed to put just let that go i mean if Obama was in office and this shit was going on, the right would be freaking out, and rightfully so. When Trump takes them out, they all freak out over some stupid reason, and the left freaks out, you know, and it's totally disingenuous about it, too. Like, Tulsi now I've really lost respect for her because she was jumping on the whole anti-war train, like, oh, Trump's going to start World War III. I'm so great. I don't want war. It's like nobody wants fucking war. Trump doesn't want war. Nobody wants war. I mean, I just – I get tired of it because it's like I, – I, I mean, come on, people. Just droning this general is not going to start World War III. And spoiler alert, it didn't. Well, you know, we're still here. Yeah, well, and I mean – and. 
I mean, uh, and then people were like also saying, uh, like to me, like, oh well, it makes sense that you would be okay with war, war Sam, because you interviewed Ben Shapiro and he's like a warmonger. It's like, <laughs> it's like. It's like what? Are you guilt by association again? Uh, yeah, guilt, guilt by association, guilt by association. Like even, and even Ben Shapiro. Like there's a lot of shit I disagree with Ben on. You know the, these, these days. First off, for the upteenth time, I want to remind people that that was 12 years ago when I interviewed Ben. He's changed yeah. since then. Yes. For the it's worst, time. he's gotten he's gotten a lot shorter since the last time I talked to him. So <laughs> how how is that possible? <laughs> how how is how is it possible when I'm only like five, uh, one and a half? Like I'm not that tall myself. I'm a short dude, but like, but like now he's not even being allowed into the theme park. He's so short. <laughs> ben Ben is, ben is like Joe Pesci Pesci short. So. Um, well, at least Joe Pesci knows how to um, get things done and does them properly. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well. Uh, oh, speaking of that, what, what did we, what did, what do you think of based uh, Ricky Gervais now? I love Ricky. I've always loved Ricky. He's always been a great comedian. I've always loved him. I loved his Idiot Abroad series where he sent his uh, sidekick Carl Pilkington around the world, and that was hilarious. Uh, that was my first big exposure to Ricky. I haven't watched The Office, but I've heard good things about it, and I plan to watch a show, Afterlife. I saw his Netflix special, Humanity, right? That was right when the Count Danko shit was going down, people forget, when Dankula was going to get fined, and he did. And Gervais was the only guy defending him of mainstream celebrities, the only one. I've always been a Ricky Gervais fan. I've and actually I first heard about him through his Golden Globe stuff. That was probably when I first heard about him. I think that was before an Idiot Abroad. And I, I remember the first time in 2010, I think when he did it. So I remember watching Bill O'Reilly at the time and seeing some of the clips, like when he said about he's like our next presenter has um, uh, been in movies like Iron Man, this and that, and he's also. Um, uh, Ben, you may know him from uh, the Betty Ford Clinic in the L.A. County Jail. There's Robert Downey Jr. Like, he was so good at that. And they were like, oh, he's all mean and he's not cool. He's nasty. It's like, no, he fucking wasn't. He was funny. He was edgy and offensive and cool. And then this time, oh, my God. I mean, I didn't. I had high standards. I expected to be good. I did not expect it to be this good, where he just took a flamethrower to all of them and burned their hypocrisies to the ground. Like when he, you see Tom Hanks's face, I'm just like, you're an idiot. Like, come on, grow up. I I was, and the and the best part is like the whole the whole entire time he's like he's like yeah I don't I don't care anymore. Last oh wait, I never did. <laughs> last last time, um. So yeah, I I literally, I literally don't care. And then you know with the whole Ep- Epstein thing, he's like, well, well, he's your he's your friend. He's not my he's not my friend. Yeah. friend. Yeah. So yeah, and then the, I love the last again. You, you could tell he had some just perfect material at the perfect time. Like the last time he got up, you notice they didn't have him come up as much as before. But the oh, last yeah. time he came up, 
said, like, uh, he was introducing Sandra Bullock, and he said and she started a movie, Bird Box, or featured people who were um, uh, navigating the world while um, acting like they didn't see anything or something like that. I forget how he worded it. I don't yeah. like ruining his bits. But then he said, kind of like the victims of uh, or, or, or people around Harvey Weinstein or something like that. I was like, oh, he went there. I, he's just... I love Ricky. Yeah, I and I have I have to tell you from what I've heard, I I, I don't want want to assume it, but from what I've heard from some people I know who are kind of in in the comedy circle, Jerry Seinfeld is also actually pretty pretty based. Actually, in fact, because uh, he spoke out PC stuff like on campuses. Yeah, well, and and now like. Jerry Seinfeld, who is about as clean as you can get when it comes to comedy, is not is no longer mm-hmm. allowed on campuses. And when the whole thing with when the whole thing with Louis C.K. happened, who by the way, I I fucking love Louis C.K. I think is one of the greatest comics of our of all of all time, honestly, but certainly of our current generation. And when and when he got I mean, first off, he owned up to all of his shit with the Me Too when no when no yeah. one else when no one else was uh, you know when everyone else was like denying, denying, denying. Uh, Oli was like, "Yeah, I you know I did this like twenty year twenty years ago. It was consensual, but still, I know it's wrong. I'm sorry. I'm gonna you know take a break. You know, and that mm. and that." And see that—that's the thing with, with me too. Is like he apologized. He tried to make things right. He got you know. He even took time off. He's still getting ostracized. Like at what point with the S with the SGW left? At what point is it good enough to where you pay your penance? I mean, is is there any sort of redemption? Apparently not. And this is what this is kind of the clown world we're in now, where you know everyone is mm-hmm. expected to be perfect. All the time, so yeah, yeah. There, like, purity has now like a na- nationwide thing that everybody holds. It seems it's, I, I and I think society is eventually going to have to some things, and you need to find a line when to accept their apology and let them come back. I think Louis one that you can let come back. I heart wine scene to hell now. You know, he can rot in hell forever, you know, and people would be fine with that. You know, it's there's different cases. And you understand all these celebrities are basically screwed up people and they basically have a bunch of issues. They've done some stuff. They've had crazy lives. And you can't hold this such a high standard for people who, you know, if you're going to hold this standard, like you've done something you don't like. Well, then all of them are gone. So you got to draw a line and say, OK somehow punish them maybe and bring them back or forgive these and bring them back. I, you got to think of something because I'm surprised they didn't try anything on Gervais after that. And I think the only reason they haven't been so aggressive with him is they've known that this is his shtick with the award show and it's fantastic. I love it. It never gets old. But he just hit them so hard, so perfectly. It was one of the best, uh, you know, award show you know it is the best award show you know performances of all time period it is just on another level 
and he just killed it. He he's one of the few comedians, one of the few public figures out there that is truly fearless and pro free speech. He's someone I love on Sense of the America the House one day maybe. <laughs> oh oh yeah, for oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I I would even I would even fly out to Philly to to see that in in the in the winter time and I I hate Philly in the winter time. But I would <laughs> I hate Philly in any time. <laughs> really, really? So wh- I don't want to get shot. <laughs> well, well. So that's that's the other thing. So where where would you want to where would you want to go to after you get done with college? Honestly, I would love to live where uh, I have some family from in Michigan. It's one of the most beautiful, nicest states out there. It's in the Midwest. Michigan is beautiful. Pe- I have family out there as well. We have so much in common. It's it's scary, crazy. <laughs> it is. But it, Michigan is just such a lovely state. The people there are so nice. That's what I love about the Midwest. And they're just so nice. And it's blue collar, working class. It's it's moderate. You know, you, your vote matters. <laughs> it's not like California where it doesn't matter if you're, especially if you're a Republican like me. And it's just a nice place to live. And it's coming back, I think. Trump's bringing jobs back. It's it's a, it's just a lovely place. And I, look, you live only once. I want to live somewhere that I genuinely like. I don't like cities. I probably I like being near one. So, you know, and I like water, and Michigan's got plenty of that. Well, Flor- well, Florida's pretty nice too, though, Sean. If I if I it's too hot for me, it's just. It, yeah, I, I'd, love, I'd love to visit there, but I can't live there. It, it's it's hot only in the summer, but uh, which is when, which is when I end up going to which is when I end up going to Michigan actually. But the the winter mm-hmm. the winters here are nice, although it did get to it did get down to thirty this week, so we were all we <laughs> we were all freezing. So oh come now, I've been doing with single digits for a while now. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure you have glo- global warming my ass. So I'll, that's I'll the other thing Gervais brings up. All these people are like, oh, I care about global warming. Oh, I care about all these things. It's like, no, you don't. Like it's like you don't know what working class average people care about. You know, it's just so ridiculous. And he just, like, slapped them all across the face. And they hate it. Some of them laugh. I think DiCaprio took his joke well, and a few others did. But, man, I, I hate the elitists. Trust me, as you can tell. Like, I would love to be rich. I would hate to be elitist. I, That's why I love people like Trump. Yeah, same here. I actually heard, and I don't know if you can confirm this or deny this, or if you even know this, but... I read that after he passed away, uh, Milo ended up getting Hugh Hefner's like personal journal somehow. Uh, don't ask me. Really? How, don't ask me how Milo got it. I don't want. I don't even want to know. <laughs> but supposedly Hef was going based before he. Passed, really? Passed away. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know about that, but you know, I I, I would have to you know research that. He, Maybe next time I get him on my show, I can ask him. He was well. I know that Hef was anti censorship, and I also know that someone kind of has to be. Yeah, I I also know <laughs> that someone 
wrote like it might have been Milo wrote an op-ed for half that pissed the entire left left off. Mm. Anyway, I think he did. Yeah. But that's kind of what I find fascinating is that like the the figures that you know used to be like left for sure are now are now considered right because uh, you know just everyone hates censorship essentially. So yeah, exactly. That's why I think creating this organization on Censor America is so important because there's a lot of what I, well, this is the one issue I have with the Groypers. That's that's kind of growing is that coming into election year, you need unity on your side. You need to put your differences aside, like we did in twenty sixteen. Said, all right, Trump's our guy. We're going to vote for him. You know, the neocons and the cocks are still going to screw us over, and like we can't push them out. And all the establishment, we're still trying to push them out. But everybody else, the normal people, the extreme people. Whoever in between, we all unified and voted him in, and we got him in. The left does this better every time, though. That's like the one time they didn't, and with Reagan, too, like when he had that landslide. But the left, the Democrats, they are always unified. They're really good at this. So they're bickering, they're infighting, but at the end of the day, they'll support their candidate. And there's something to be said for that. And sure. the way I look at it is don't make perfection uh, your enemy. If just because this candidate isn't perfect on every little thing, you go, oh, fuck him, I'm not going to vote for him. Like, that's just stupid. I'm sorry. Because, look, they are closer to what you want. And by putting them in and implementing your policies, you are actively persuading people and showing them that this stuff works. And if you want, it's more likely because of that. Well, and Andrew Breitbart had a great quote back when he was alive. It was actually... It was actually his last, literally like the last thing he said publicly, mm. um, which Interesting. At, at CPAC, which was, um, I will vote for whoever our nominee is because if we don't, we lose. You have two choices. Yeah. And that was like, that was back in 2012. That was like back in early 2012. I don't, I don't think Romney was even the nominee yet when Breitbart passed away, but I, like I wasn't a Trump guy at at first. Like I'll I'll admit that. But when that when Trump first came on the the circuit, like I was kind of like, you know, he, this is the guy from The Apprentice. He's done this before. Like I'm not really sure if he's serious. He's probably not. Uh, boy, was I wrong. Um, <laughs> but. I was like, well, if he if he become, I'm like, but if he becomes a nominee, I'll I'll vote for him because, yeah, like I know it's going to be a Hillary, and I I despise Hillary Clinton uh, so much, so you know, yeah, and that's the thing, like you know, with the Groypers is that I'm all for taking the trash out and getting rid of fake conservatives and you know fake trads or whoever, like. I'm cool with that because I want people that are genuine and they're real. I don't want any Caitlin Robertsons and Lauren Southerns in the movement. I don't. But what I do want is unity. And when you're pushing this stuff and you're talking about Israel too much, the point that's a little weird, and sometimes these people are anti-Semitic, sometimes, you're just pissing people off and you're creating stupid infighting over stuff that doesn't matter. It's irrelevant to those right now. And you're just 
you're, the left is going to laugh this up. I mean, you're seeing, and it's important to watch this, this rise of the trad right. And I don't think they're going to be mainstream. Like, I can tell you from personal people on this campus, at least, do not like the Grapers. I, mean, I should be like clear, most people on the right do not like the Grapers and the trad right, do not like Nick Fuentes and the trad right. And the people that do are a very small cult. They're a hardcore cult following, and I'm not trying to say that to, to dis, you know be disingenuous them or discharacterize them or anything. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying, from my experience, that's what we've noticed, and other people can back that up. It's only like a small group of like 15, 20 people that love this guy and this movement, but and they don't entirely love it too because they all have issues with it and their stupid purity tests. But by and large, like. Our group me of like turning point people is like four hundred, and their group me is like seventy or eighty, and like a lot of them are just people like me. They're just in just to see what's going on, but there are people that show up to meetings. They're hardcore people. Are only like twenty thirty, where we got like hundreds of people to our events and whatnot. Seven hundred out to Don June, three hundred we had to turn away. And the other thing too is their group me only has three women in it. We have two women on our exec board. I'm not trying to flash them some diversity card, but you know they they don't attract women, and that's a that's a huge demographic that you're hurting yourself with. And they're all the ones that say identity politics wins, and you gotta use it. Well, you're not using it if you don't have any women. Okay, I don't like identity politics, but I do see that there's you know you want to reach out to as many people as you can on your side without compromising your values. Uh, dramatically, and you want to have people of different, you know, backgrounds in you. Because if you just do one demographic, like you're not going to want. And I don't see in a lot of these groupers that I personally know a drive to actually a, a true um, drive to. I mean, there is a drive to win, but I don't see a practical plan to win and to actually make change. They're more about, you know causing chaos and screwing stuff up with no actual good outcome. Like, we had a thing where we were trying to uh, kick out the establishment of the college Republicans here last year because they were totally corrupt, losing dues money and losing CPAC tickets for people, losing. And we don't know what was going on. We were raising hell about it. And we were making some progress because we wanted to get an Army veteran in that they said who could, they said he couldn't run. They said he didn't pay his dues and a bunch of RBS, even though he pays dues twice, they were stopping him from running because they knew this was going to ruin their legacy and was going to bring in somebody who's a Trump supporter, a veteran. I mean, that's pretty bad. That the college Republicans are just discriminating against a veteran. You know, we had some of these alt-right Groyper types, tribe right whatever you want to call them, whatever you want to label them, sort of more extreme right people. It's a mix of a lot of people. They were kind of like allies in that moment of us, you know, more centrist people, more moderates. And they just screwed the whole thing up. There was, I, I don't want to go into details. It was a sort of a private thing that happened, but there was a big outburst that was just, you know, detrimental to it. And they're good at that. They're good at screwing things up. Like the Trump Club used to be just a normal Trump Club. They kicked out actually the same guy, this Army veteran. That's double irony here. They kicked out this Army veteran as president of this club and replaced him with some dude that was more sympathetic to them. And he seemed like a decent guy, but he didn't do much. And the whole thing fell apart and got taken over by radical extremists and groypers and trad right. And now it's just an, a pathetic club. I mean, their flyers are terrible. 
people. They're just all like, you know, there's no color on there, and it's just pathetic. Like they, it's they're really just going good at screwing stuff up for the rest of us. They're trying to actually make progress and win. So, so are you still, um, are you still with Turning Point now, or is uh, is Uncensored America going to, or America Uncensored going to, uh, you know, take up most of your time? Do you think? Well, I'm still at Turning Point now, and I'm going to be till the end of this semester, and I'm still going to work hard to, you know, do what I said I was going to do, which is grow this chapter, upgrade this chapter, make things bigger and better. Because I, you know, during the Growth Wars, people were sort of like wondering like how I felt about it and what would happen to the state of this chapter. And I told them, I said, look, I said this over and over again, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Because we had, but we still kept doing our own thing, and that's why I told you we're gonna still keep doing that as long as we can. And there's one thing I couldn't do, so that's why I created a new club. But you know, that's fine. It's okay. And I, after college, I'm gonna focus on the uncensored America and see where we can bring that. If people are interested, if you want to help out, start your own chapter or uh, help me make this a national effort. Please DM us on Twitter. It's un, at Uncensored AM. You'll find us on Twitter there. And, you know, if you want us, you know, follow us too, that'd be nice. And you can, we can get in touch and work something there. But I want to grow because I think it's a necessary thing that can hopefully unite not just the right, but the whole country. That's a big if, big optimistic uh, thought, but who knows. And hopefully, and this is the main goal, is to bring back free speech, like truly bring back free speech, to bring back these people that have been censored in silence and give them a voice, you know, give them a platform because they've been deplatformed, they've been silenced, and nobody's fighting for them, and somebody has to. So that's why I feel like I need to do this. And we'll see where it goes. I'm going to be working on two clubs at once for this semester, but after that, it'll just be Uncensored America, and at CPAC, I'll... See if anybody's interested in helping out too. Well, I'm I'm sure you've got uh, you know a good system going, and it sounds like you've got a solid plan behind you. Um, you know, another place you might want to look at promoting yourself is Parlor, uh, which is a, mm. which is another uh, network. Uh, not a, not a sponsor, by the way. So I'm not you know <laughs> I'm not showing anything, but that they're kind of like a Sam. You're gonna be called a show now. Uh, it doesn't matter. So we call a shill. I'm, I'm, I'm always ca- called. A, I'm, I'm always called a shill. Especially, uh, are, are, are there any? Are there any of you? Uh, you know, VFM out out there or uh, unbearables out, out there? So, um. <laughs> well, see, I can relate because ever since the Groyper shit, I've been called a fake conservative, um, an Israel cock. Uh, a liberal, even like I, there's just so many things they throw at you. A grifter, um, like they throw all these like stupid like uh, labels at you, and they know nothing about me. They know nothing about what I'm doing right now. And then when I even tell them, like, "Hey, I'm actually starting a new club to make a speaking event happen because I can't do another club," they're still like, "Oh, you're a fake conservative." And I'm like, oh, screw you guys like i you're not gonna get allies and actually do anything productive if you treat people like that especially you know with their past behavior they have no room to talk on some of this stuff so it's you know i that's a small tangent but like i it's it's something i think we both notice when you rise to any sort of prominence 
is you get these people that come after you like that. Oh yeah, and and but see and see it it's at least in my case and in in your case it, it's never for anything like you know valuable or anything like like that. It's always for like it's always for like petty bullshit like like yeah. So um, and the thing too is like you know they act like. I'm like doing all this to, you know, move up in the world and have a great career and make a lot of money. It's like, you do realize putting my name attached to Turning Point, putting it attached to Donald Trump Jr., and putting it attached to this new club with the speaker, that kills so many career opportunities, okay? That's actually putting skin in the game and blood on the line. Like, I mean, you can't appease these people. And it's like, we just had the most free speech event ever at Penn State, and we have another one that will be just as free speech, if not more, uh, this semester. It's going to be a whole year of, like, the most free speech events ever, but still, I'm a fake conservative. I mean, maybe because I'm not trad enough, I don't know. Maybe I'm not even conservative. I don't know. I just been keep doing what I've been always doing. Like, I'm not changing who I am, except some things do evolve, but at my core, I'm always going to be pro-free speech. That's never changed, and they know it. Well, and the well, and the other thing too is, I mean, I I've I've been accused of being like an Israeli shit. Uh, I've, been, mm. I've been accused of being like an Israeli, you know, Jew shill, and it's like, you know, I always kind of wish I were because if that were the case, like I would be in a much. I wouldn't be doing this for my bedroom. Like I'd be doing this from like a, you know, nice like you know, ten thousand dollar you know or more studio like. You know, like yeah, and the other thing too is like yeah, you know, you know, when you're doing my show, no matter how much money we have or what stays we in, like these people just whine and complain. They don't do anything. I mean, I will give Fuentes credit where he actually did a great for summit, but like the people I know, they don't do anything. They do nothing. But like circle jerk at you know these meetings about their you know ideas, and I. That's only as good as it, you know, can be. Like, you need to bring other people in and actually start persuading and start challenging things. Speaking events are a great way of doing that with controversial speakers. And, you know, I this takes a lot of work. It's not easy. I mean, you got, I've been, I, with the Sargon event, I was up really late, like long hours to like 4 a.m. many nights, you know, and then waking up at, you know, for 9 a.m., 10 a.m. classes or whatever I had at the time. And, you know, it was... You know, you can tell, you can separate the men from women, or the, <laughs> should have said that way. That's going to get, you know, uh, the wrong way. You can separate the men from the boys. <laughs> yeah, you can separate the men from the boys, but you see who's actually putting in the work, who's actually risking stuff. It's something Milo talks about, people like Roger Stone, Gavin McGinnis, Alex Jones, and himself, of course. That's when you can really separate things. And, you know, you still are going to get people that want to leech off of you and clout chase all the time. It's just, it sucks, but it's a reality. Uh, two things I have to ask you regarding the, regarding the great dark lord, uh, Alex Jones. First off, <laughs> what, what do you think of, uh, what do you think of what went on in Virginia? That, I, in my mind, that was a success. And then, uh, also, uh, what do you think of Alex's son, Rex. Well, I will say Alex Jones driving a tank through Virginia, going full on 
1776 will commence again. It's probably one of the uh, most beautiful sights <laughs> Virginia has seen uh, since the Revolutionary War. It was just glorious, beautiful. I, I, I look. I love how you know how many people turned out. The thousands of turned out because because um, conservatives normally don't turn out in those numbers or in protests, and. How nonviolent and peaceful it was for a bunch of people holding weapons and big scary black guns and everything was going to be violent and all this stuff. Nothing happened. It was a beautiful success, perfect optics. Um, maybe there should have been maybe some more like resistance or protests. I don't know. Uh, but I think it was well handled, well managed. These people knew what were you know what they were doing. And Alex, you know, got to give the guy credit, dude. For someone who has been banned from the internet, except his own two websites he has, um, and his Telegram channel, he was still on the front lines, made it down there, made an effort, and still is, you know, just battling it out. I mean, it's it's true spirit and energy that you rarely see. And, you know, his son Rex sounds like he's like the... He's the next generation of that. He's the, you know, up-and-coming Alex. I'd, I'd love to try and get him on the podcast, but he, he's just as hard to reach as his uh, old man is, so. Oh, uh, yeah, I I might be able to get him on my show. I'm, uh, I'm trying some uh, leads I have, and we'll see where that goes. Maybe I can help you out, too, if, with that. Uh, if, you need a, if you need a co-host to uh, sit on, I, I, <laughs> I promise I will I, I, I'm promise I will be good, and I'll, uh, I won't trigger the sense the sensors <laughs> so but uh well the beauty of the radio is you just can't curse yeah uh, no, you can no. say anything else yeah no i know i i i used to do terrestrial radio and then uh you know. and yet you cursed on my show <laughs> well i've i've been out of i've been away for like you know five or six years so i, I got used to, <laughs> i got used to this podcasting thing and saying whatever the fuck i wanted to and uh oh, it is nice and uh you know that's that's why that's why real news after you get uh out of college needs to uh you know continue if you have the time on. so uh but Live long and prosper we will <laughs> yep but uh, anyway, uh, Sean, I want to thank you for coming on one last time. Uh, you know, where can we find you at? Because you're all you're all over now. So. <laughs> yeah, some of my Twitter accounts is ridiculous. Um, well, for now. Uh, thank you for letting me on. And I want to say, though, like, you were, like, the first guy, like, I think you were – you were our third guest we had on, technically. But you were the first guy we got in contact with that was, like, a true fan of us, that truly liked us. And Dick Terrafield reached out. And you've been truly genuine and nice. And that's a rare thing in this world, trust me. Thank you. You know, of all the people I met, they're just fake. Like, I really appreciate that. That's why I love doing this. And I always do your show. I've, and always have you on mine. Real, real quick, I've been, I've been at this for – I just – I just turned twenty five last week, and yeah, uh, happy birthday! Thank you, and I've and I've been doing this for come March twenty fifth. It will officially be twelve years. So wow, I'm kind of I'm kind of an old man when it comes to like this, <laughs> and it's it's really exciting for me. I mean, not that you and I are that much farther apart, but it, it's exciting for me to kind of see the newer generation take over. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, minus the exception of, you know, little shits like Flinda's and, and whatnot. <laughs> um, maybe that's just me being a grouchy old 
guy, but the, it's it's nice to see that there are younger, you know, conservatives out there who are taking, you know, the torch on. And so I, I really want to, you know, help you help the younger, you know, generation of conservatives. Um, We're trying. You know, I thank you for that. Prosper and grow. So. Yeah, yeah, we're trying. Cause that's why I, 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 that's why it was so inspiration about Trump was seeing all this young energy come in. These people that didn't vote for, before that were Democrats or that were yeah. just sort of centrist, didn't care about politics. Now they were excited about it. And they were in it. It was just a beautiful thing. Um, and but you can find me on uh, two platforms now. Uh, Uncensored America on Twitter at Uncensored AM. We're going to be announcing our big speaker. I will. I'll drop this on your show. Oh, uh, nice. If all goes to plan, that's a big if. <laughs> so I don't want to make a big promise, but if all goes to plan, we will be announcing our super huge, massive speaker that's going to be might make national news. It's going to be a pretty big deal. We'll be announcing that on President's Day, appropriately. Have to have to have a patriotic day to mm, announce it, February seventeenth. Nice. Uh, and you will hear about on the Uncensored America Twitter and Facebook. So it's at Uncensored AM. Check that out and follow us so you can stay up to date on that. If all goes fine. If it doesn't and you followed us, you will know that it's going to come up soon. So follow that there. And I'm also on Versa Media because I do the talk show Real News with my two fabulous, wonderful co-hosts, my best friends, uh, Dictator Phil and Alex. And occasionally my girlfriend comes in. Um, uh, that's on the line 90.7 FM. So you can check that out. That's at Versa News Media on Twitter. And I'll post the links probably somewhere, and I'll post this video on those uh, channels too. So if you want to learn more about those things, go there. And we have video archives of all interviews we've done on the Versa Media YouTube channel, which you can find through the Twitter or just type in Versa Media on YouTube. You can find our interviews with Mike Yiannopoulos, Mike Cernovich, Six Hexenhammer, Sargon Avocado, Hunter Avalon, and much, much more, Jack Pasoviak. Um, they're all fun interviews. I think everybody, especially, are going to enjoy. And of course, I always encourage people check out more of Sam's content because he's a great guy. Oh, thank you. Well, and also, if guys, uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, if you guys go to, uh, you know, the if you guys go to my channel homepage and uh, check under the suggested channels, I believe, unless YouTube, you know, re reset their. Uh, you know, layout, which they do constantly, I believe. All the time. <laughs> I believe I still have Versum Media as, like, one of my recommended uh, Oh, that's a channels. nice idea. So, you know, you can, you, so you can access Versum Media from there. InfoWars is no longer on there, unfortunately, for obvious reasons, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but, again, we make the best these Yep, yeah, so... All right, Sean, well, thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll talk at you down the road, brother. So. Yep, thank you. All See right. you guys later. And, Subscribe and, at Uncensored AM. <laughs> and, uh, folks, thanks for watching, and from all of us here at NGC Studios, good night, God bless, God save this great nation, God freedom, I can see in that order, and I will see you on the auto podcast on Thursday. God bless, and God save this great nation. Amen.
Hey there, folks. If you've made it this far to the end of the podcast, I'd like to thank you very much for listening to the show. You are the ones that make it possible for me to uh, make an income from podcasting, and I greatly appreciate that just by listening to our show. You are helping us gain ad revenue. However, if you would really like to uh, help support the show, I encourage you to please donate to the podcast and become a supporter of the show. You can head over to anchor.fm forward slash Whitfield Report and click the support this podcast button and uh, choose the amount that suits you to support the show. Or you can click the link in the show notes and it will directly uh, take you to that page. If you can support the podcast, I really, really appreciate that. Anything that you can do to uh, help out is greatly appreciated. Even if you can't afford to uh, help financially support the podcast, I encourage you to please go on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and please leave this podcast a positive five-star review. That really helps us out here at the Whitfield Report. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next episode.